Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Fancy Football Bros. It is week seven. We it, uh, Today is October 19th. Uh, good evening, everyone, and looking forward to another jam-packed episode. Uh, here, as always, your host, Mark Hogan, joined by my co-host here, Derek Randall. Derek? Hey, Mark. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. So, um, I think this is probably the first time we've ever recorded on a Saturday early evening, so we are knocking um, down all the days. <laughs> I know, right? So I, I think it is a little bit nicer that um, we've done some recordings later and closer towards the matchups. Uh, you know, we miss out on breaking down some of those Thursday night games, but that's not always the worst game to, I guess, miss out on. And um, we have a better idea of who's injured, who's not. So um, I think it's right. certainly played in our favor that way, but. End of the day, I mean, it's just uh, sometimes it's tough to, to plan these things. So we're trying to keep up with it on a week-to-week basis. And this is the time that worked for both of us this week. Yeah, just uh, trying to do our best with our schedules um, the way we can. But, yeah, like you said, I kind of like doing it after the Thursday night football so that we can break down what we saw in that game. And we actually know who's going to play and who's not. Because lately there's been a lot of players um, – up in the air, they're playing status up in the air really Sunday morning, um, but a lot of it's usually cleared up by Friday. Yeah, I think a uh, big one that uh, really is still up in the air right now is what's going to be happening with that uh, Green Bay Packers wide receiver corps. So I'm sure we'll go into that one in a little bit more depth as we break down some of the games, but just to um, give everyone a quick rundown, um, this episode will be, I think will be pretty simple. Don't have any trades to break down or anything like that. Um, so we'll really just recap what happened last week in week six and then go into previews here for week seven. Anything else to add before we get started, Derek? Uh, no, no, not, nothing at all. Um, after we go over week six, we'll just kind of – I'll hit on the big – the one notable waiver wire acquisition, and then um, we'll move on. All right, so how about um, we'll go right into – uh, we'll dive right into Caleb and Kuhar, it looks like. Yep. So um, Caleb won pretty pretty handedly here about by about 40 points. Um, not – I mean, this is really I, – I, I think we labeled this the toilet bowl last week. We did. <laughs> um, so I don't know how relevant this game is going to be, but um, I think the one <laughs> – the, the, the big thing that stuck out to me was, you know, Stefan Diggs obviously just completely went off 43 and a half points. And, uh, man, you, you, you must have really missed Stefan Diggs here this week. Um, I really regret the trade. I would have <laughs> had two more wins under my belt had it not been for that trade. Because um, the week prior, Austin Eckler had like 30 points. I would have used him. And then this week, Stefan Diggs puts up 43 and a half and pretty sure I might have won um, against Nate if I had used him. Considering I only lost by 24 points, um, I would have played him over Geronimo Allison. Yeah. So, yeah, I would have won. So it's come back to hurt me quite a bit. Um, but good for Caleb, man. It's, it's panned out well for him. Yeah, I mean, I think he um, 
I think he really uh, did a better job this year of making a move like that uh, earlier rather than later. Um, I'm still worried about, you know, just the depth overall that his team has, but um, you know, that, that trade certainly paid dividends this week and Stefan Diggs alone. So he's built uh, a lot more depth than he had, you know, going into the start of this year. Yeah. My one serious question with him is why does he keep starting Paul Richardson? Um, I can't figure that one out. He really needs to find a better receiver to put there off the waiver wire because Richardson shouldn't even be owned. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's kind of beyond me. I don't really know why. I mean, like, I, I, I don't know. I, I can't really explain it either. And, um, it's like almost like Paul Richardson was like kind of overhyped going into this season. Um, I I don't think, you know, really anyone that has fantasy pulse wanted to invest too much into the Redskins offense. And that's certainly the right call. I think at this point, um, and Terry McLaurin has really emerged as that, you know, everyone kind of thought Paul Richardson would have that number one role, but Terry McLaurin, the rookie out of Ohio state certainly solidified. I think that, you know, wide receiver one role for the Redskins. So yep. um, I think uh, he's he's definitely good enough. Um, although I don't think Terry McLaurin is going to have a good week this week. We'll talk about that here in a few minutes as well. Um, but just looking at Kuhar's team, I'm definitely um, – I think there's going to be better days ahead here for him. I'm sure he'll, you know, start Hunter Henley with, with some confidence moving forward. Um, left a 30 rack on his bench. And Saquon Barkley will be back as well. So, you know, if you have Kuhar on your um, on your your schedule here going into towards the uh, later half of the regular season, I would be a little bit nervous. He could certainly be that team that plays a spoiler down the stretch here. Definitely, he he could also be that team that ends up making the eight seed and um, stands a good chance of knocking out somebody. Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, he's already one in five. I think you got to at least, I mean, if he loses two more games, that's going to be pretty challenging to get that eight seed. I guess we'll see, but. Um, I mean, I started 0 and 4 last year and yeah. made the playoffs as the five seed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, his team is just, I think, kind of uh, up and like very up and down. Um it is, but look at his players compared to Caleb's. I mean, he's got guys where every week you're like, yep, plug him in, plug him in, plug him in. Um, I mean, like, kind of. I, I Yeah, I, I think he, definitely, he doesn't really have a third wide receiver. Um, what do you mean? Evans, Woods, and Williams? Evans, Woods, Mike Williams isn't really a wide receiver three. I don't think you can rely on him. Oh man, I'd rather have him than Robert Woods, honestly. But still, I think I think they're really? playable guys every week compared to what's out there on the waiver wire. Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I just uh, I think he's he's a team that maybe wouldn't you know wouldn't. Um, I don't even know who you would trade, but um, I think I think he's kind of just short in depth here, and I I don't really yeah. have too much faith in Mike Williams. I think Mike Williams' body is like just. Oh, like, I think Mike Williams is a really good player, but he's just breaking down, like, physically. Um, and so I'm just kind of concerned about his, you know, even his long-term longevity of his career. Like, he just seems like more and more problems are coming up 
um, you know, here with him and his health. So, yeah, I mean, his. I don't know how much I rely on Mike Williams. And for some reason, that Chargers passing attack always seems to, you know, Philip Rivers always seems to spread it out. Although this year, Philip Rivers is, I think we talked about it on a former episode a little bit, right. but certainly looks like a shell of, of his, um, his former self here. And, you know, you're just really not making great throws um, against the uh, the Steelers last week. So certainly concerned if I was involved in that San Diego passing attack to a certain extent. Um, I think Hunter Henry is going to be kind of that safety blanket. Agreed. Hunter Henry, he's so talented. And, I mean, what, what the hell was that report that he's going to be limited going into that game? And then he ends up seeing everything. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think uh, I think they'll chalk that up to coaches talk a little bit. And yeah, frustrating. Very frustrating. Trying to, trying to um, deter the opposing team from game planning around him because clearly he was the game plan. So right, yeah. Um, let's. How about we move on here, and we'll go into the Patriots fan club versus the commissioner, Jimmy. Yep. And it looks like Jimmy pulled it out. Um, got a nice little victory. Pretty close game with Andres. Andres has had some weeks where he's certainly put up some decent amount of points, but just no def- – you know, I mean, he he's kind of gotten unlucky with some of his matchups where I feel like, like personally, my team – I know my team went, did really well this week, but, like, I've certainly gotten lucky with a lot of other matchups. So, Andres is kind of like this year's Carl um, – and yeah. I'm like the opposite of Andres' team, just gotten really lucky and he's gotten really unlucky. So, um, but anything really big stick out here for you going into this matchup? Andres' team looks a lot more balanced now. Um, after the trades he made, obviously now tight end is like a gaping hole for him. But having carry on Johnson um, and Sonny Michelle as your running backs look a little bit better than what he had before. I don't even remember what he was starting before, but it was ugly. Oh, it's Joe Mixon was one of them, but um, and then he's got that high upside of Kyler Murray, which I think is really beneficial to his team. Yeah, like I think I was talking about it last week. Like I, I could totally see Kyler Murray again being a you know out, outscoring a lot of fantasy quarterbacks, including guys like Lamar Jackson and Carson Wentz for the rest of the fantasy season. And I think Kyler Murray showed off exactly why he could do that this past week, and I think we're going to certainly see a lot more of the same going into this week against the Giants secondary. So um, he is, he seems like he's drastically improving and improving, improving very quickly. Um, but I do look at the rest of Andres' team. Like it's never really a good thing when you're starting two different Patriots in your fantasy lineup because right. of how much they spread it around. Like that's, in my opinion, it's kind of just a recipe for disaster. Um, it, relatively worked out this week uh here for them as they played the giants but um you know like you're 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 kind of capping your 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 ceiling here like you have a decent floor but you're not really giving yourself you're, you're basically negating two spots and not having a single spot between those two spots that you could be putting up a 30 30 point um play there so um and i'm not a huge fan of it i think it gives you a decent floor but in this league, especially in a full PPR, you need guys that can boom boom out of, out of a you know a game for thirty points here. So, I mean, Edelman could he, he could be that guy at any point. 
Oh, he could, but then Sonny Mich- if Edelman goes off for thirty, like Michelle's putting up five points. Right. That's yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, if one of that those guys go off, like the other one, it in a very rare scenario would they both have thirty and twenty, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, or even fifteen and thirty. Like it, it, it doesn't really work that way, especially in the Patriots' offense when they spread the ball around so much. Yep. Um. So, I think it's kind of a lost cause here for Andres, but, you know, you got to give him a shout-out for continuing to fight here and trying to scrape away and, you know, put together some wins, and hopefully, you know, luck goes his way here a little bit moving forward. Yeah, I definitely think it will. Um, Maybe even this week against me. (laughs) How about uh, Austin Hooper? Um, Going off for another 25 points, I think we said it. I think we we even talked about just how bad – Arizona is against the tight end. Um, And so no surprise that he had a good game this week, but just across the board this entire season, he was just a very under the radar, reliable tight end that I think week after week, you know, you feel pretty good about, you know, throwing him out there. And I think, you know, he could probably have another really good week again, this one, this, this time around. So he's, he's probably, in my opinion, um, really top three fantasy tight end at this point. Yeah, currently he is the number one tight end, and I don't see him leaving the top three, really, um, for the remainder of the season. I think it's him, Kelsey, and I I mean, even Kelsey's been inconsistent. I don't even know. Like, Hooper, you roll out Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz every week, but Hooper is that guy who's produced like they should be producing. So it's kind of – right now he's the only tight end you can really trust week after week to be a – a top tier talent. I think Ertz is going to turn it around. He's going to pick it up. I think I want to say I was looking at it and year over year from this year to last year, at this point in the season, Ertz caught like 30 more balls than he did this year so far. So uh, he's certainly not going to replicate the season he had last year. With that being said, I think Ertz comes back around. Um, I am certainly worried about Kelsey just with the fact that, you know, Mahomes is going to be out for an extended period of time, three to maybe even four weeks. So um, if I had to rank them for the next month or so uh, while Mahomes is out, I'd probably have to put Kelsey third. And I'll still put Ertz over Hooper just because I think Ertz is the better player. Yeah. I mean, Ertz is, has done it for years, so you feel a little bit more confident in that. Looking at the rest of Jimmy's team here, though, um, he gets Marlon Mack back, who he just certainly missed. Um, you know, but end of the day, he pulled off a win with not the greatest week here. And um, Gardner Minshew certain, certainly coming back down to life. I heard Nick Foles is going to be coming back to practice next week, so – that's going to be interesting down the line to see if um, Minshew can keep it up because if he starts playing poorly, like they're not going to hesitate putting Foles back into that spot there. No, I mean, I, I don't think it comes down to poor play for him. I think he's got to like make sure the team wins every game moving forward and he has to be dominant and mistake-free because they put all that money towards Nick Foles. Yeah. So if Minshew's not carrying – the team on his back, then they're not going to hesitate to move back to Foles. It's like, does Minshew mania continue? I mean, one bad game, Saints secondary has proved to, you know, show they have some more talent here. But 
uh, maybe than years past, but um, certainly not a good outing here for Minshew. Hopefully he can, you know, get back, uh, back, back on track here this week. Um, anything else in regards to this matchup? No, let's move forward. All right. So going into Denison and Tackett, looks like Denison lost the close one here. Two Tackett drops Denison down to three and three. Tackett improves to three and three. This league just got a whole lot closer with this matchup uh, going Tackett's way. And um, I mean, man, McCaffrey is like, they're talking about him being the real life MVP. Certainly don't mind that. DeAndre Hopkins put up 16 and a half points. And I've been saying like, there's going to be better days coming here with him. So, you know, expect more positives out of him. I would say moving forward. Um, and I mean, like, I, I, I think the, the one thing I would worry the most about in Tackett's team is tight end, but that's not a bad thing to be too concerned about here. Right, because like eight out of 12 teams are worried about tight ends. So <laughs> he's got DeAndre Hopkins, Alshon Jeffrey, and T.Y. Hilton pretty much as his third, three wide receivers. So um, Tackett's pretty stacked. We'll, we'll see. You know, the X factor is Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins and lit, came out and lit it up against the Philly secondary that, you know, certainly can be lit up here. So, you know, we'll see what he does against, again, the tougher teams down the stretch. But, um, you know, the question will be is, does Tackett continue with Kirk Cousins in his OP spot? Uh, I think he kind of has to right now. Um, I mean, it's either him or Tevin Coleman. So, yeah, I, I think you go with Kirk. And as long as it's not a really tough matchup, like, honestly, the Saints have become that really tough matchup. So, yeah, roll with roll with Kirk. I like Tackett's depth here. Um, he can probably – I know he's holding on to Mariota just to see what happens with Tannehill here this week. Um, and Flacco, I don't think you're ever going to roll him out. So, you know, I would say the one problem with Tackett's team as far as, um, as far as his roster goes is just maybe a lack of depth at quarterback. Um, so, he just really needs Kirk Cousins to continue to, you know, make sure that he can, you know, maintain that uh, kind of a top-tier – being a top-tier team uh, in the fantasy standings here moving forward. Flipping over to Denison's side, Denison's certainly in trouble here. Aaron Jones has, you know, really um, seeded his uh, backfield role into more of a committee here with Jamal Williams at this point. Um, screwed it up, man. He dropped a wide-open touchdown, yep. also lost a fumble. And Jamal, Jamal Williams looked good. So I think that you're just going to see a lot of back-and-forth here moving forward. And he is really a true um, RB2 because of that, because he's just going to have up and down weeks, in my opinion. Yeah, he uh, definitely RB2. Um, the four touchdown week really allowed the Packers to roll him out there as that workhorse back and give him the opportunity to see what he does. And he couldn't have done any worse than what he did. He fumbled early on in the game, and then he was just wide open on a touchdown pass and dropped the ball. Um, and, and you don't do that, especially with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. He doesn't like that. So here comes Jamal Williams to save the day for the Packers, and there goes Aaron Jones. So this was, I mean, this was just like across the board, really rough week here for Dennison. And yep. with that and the whole Mahomes injury, you know, um, Mahomes, I, I mean, this was from Thursday, so this is going into week seven, but 
Mahomes is going to be out now. Um, that downgrades uh, Kelsey, I'd have to imagine. Um, even downgrades Tyree Kill, I think, to a certain extent, although I think they will try and game plan around him a little bit more moving forward. But um, Denison doesn't have Tyree Kill. So Mahomes being hurt, that hurts him a lot because he invested a high draft pick in him. Um, I think the only bright spot, uh, one thing that's kind of trending upwards, at least for Denison, in my opinion, is I do think Devin Singletary um, is going to start producing here um, this week. So, you know, what do you do? Um, Maybe you think about, um, you know, moving Aaron Jones after he has a positive week. You can't really move him now because you're going to sell him low. But, um, you know, if if he has an up week or two in the future, I think it's certainly worth considering trading him away at that point right after you right after he acquired him. Yes, yeah, too bad he didn't trade him after those four touchdowns. Um because <laughs> he'll never get better than that. But yeah. Dennison has had some tough luck with quarterbacks this year. He had Cam Newton who went down. Yeah. And now he has Mahomes who went down. And when Cam Newton went down, he spent all sixty something dollars of his fab on Kyle Allen. So yeah. He has zero fab, so uh, good good luck. I mean, he's not going to get another quarterback. He doesn't have any on his bench either, so. Yeah. Um, his depth is lacking. His receivers aren't really anything too impressive. Um, overall, pretty bearish here about Dennison's team moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, he's in he's in a pretty desperate stance. Uh, this could be the year we don't see Denison make the playoffs. So let's move on here. How about we look at uh, your matchup and Nate here, which it looks like you dropped to two and four. We're talking about Denison not making the playoffs. Are you concerned at all that you might not make the playoffs? Uh, I don't. No, not really. Um, okay. I have enough talent there. I've just had a ridiculous amount of injuries. Devontae Adams haven't seen him since the day I traded for him <laughs> so that's been cool and then let's see Sterling Shepard has missed multiple weeks Sterling Shepard's already missed three games this year so that sucks Jacoby Brissett was on by Drew Brees hasn't played won't play for what another two weeks probably uh, so, they have a bye week I think week nine I want to say so he's probably not going back until week 10 what is it week seven yeah yeah probably week 10 um shit yeah. Which, I mean, there's only 13 weeks in the regular season, so... Um, I'll, I'll get him for a, a good four weeks. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to, over these next this next month or so, not use him and, you know, finagle, finagle your way into some wins here with Andy Dalton and Jacoby Brissett. I mean, your skilled positions once... I mean, that's the other thing. Like, when is Devontae Adams coming back? If, he, if yeah. Devontae Adams isn't coming back until week 10, that might be too late for you, man. Um, unless you can find someone to really fill that that third wide receiver spot and, and hold down the fort. Because you do have other good skill players. I mean, I'm not worried about your running backs um, and your receivers. Uh, Julio Jones, Jarvis Landry, and um, are, are, are good as well. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's going to come down to, you know, what, what happens with your, uh, with Devonte Adams and what happens with Drew Brees. And, you know, you need, you need to have them come back sooner rather than later. Oh, no doubt. Uh, Devonte Adams, I really thought might be back this week, which he wasn't. So I don't see how he's not back next week. Um, 
which if that's the case, then I'll have Adams, Julio, and Landry, which is a pretty lethal combination. Landry or even Sterling Shepard. I mean, I like that a lot. And then my running backs, I'll be rolling out Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry. Um, Royce Freeman's been holding down the fort for me as yeah. as my OP right now, and he's been very consistent. I was on that Royce Freeman train since beginning of the season, and he's proven to be that steady guy I can rely on. So uh, the less I have to rely on Andy Dalton, the better. I personally think the further this season goes, though, the less you're going to be able to rely on Royce Freeman. Um, I'm concerned about your team, man. I, I think you need you need these guys to come back from injury, and you you can't afford to lose in the meantime. Um, you've already got you've already dropped four, so we'll see what happens. Uh, we'll talk about your matchup coming up, but I think there's certainly some some room for concern here. Um, well, after it's we... be between you and Dennison, which I think if if so, if I were to pick someone to get that eight spot right now, I would still pick your team over Dennison's, but. Um, you know, it, it's going to depend on who gets lucky with matchups over these next couple weeks. Right. But you also have to look at how close the standings are. And there are some really bad teams in this league. Um, yeah. I mean, Andres Lennon, Caleb Kuhar. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Kuhar, we, we just talked about how his team's looking a lot better um, than his record shows. So he's the one to be kind of concerned about. But, I mean, eight teams, eight out of 12 make the playoffs. So, Three of them, Caleb, or Caleb, Andres, Lennon. We just pretty much already ruled out. So that means. Well, I don't think you can necessarily rule Caleb's team out, though. Like I think that trade kind of saved his season. So um, it, it think, kept him in the picture. Yeah, you know, like I uh, didn't mean to kind of you know make this uh, uh, cross reference over to Jonda here, but he's truly the wild card of of those four uh, of those four teams. So I think Caleb there is a shot that he could, you know, uh, sneak into as that eight seed against uh, over either you or Dennison. It's possible. Um, yeah. Only having a one game. Actually, I only have a, a lead of 2.7 points on him right now in the standings. So yeah. Diggs clawed his way back in that, that total points category. It did. So. Holy shit. Yeah. Look at, <laughs> look at me hurt myself quite a bit there. Nice. Uh, looking over at Nate's team, I mean, Nate's team by far has been the most dominant team this season, right? Um, so he is still undefeated, 6-0, and uh, after winning this game. He does not have Alvin Kamara, so there is a chance that, uh, especially with uh, the underperformance of Joe Mixon, maybe he sees his first loss this week. I don't think Terry McLaurin is going to have a great week either. Um, we'll break his matchup down in a few minutes, but... Um, across the board, he's still got some solid, solid depth. Uh, and a lot of guys were on bye for him last week as well, which, you know, when you have that many guys on bye and you get a win, that's a double win in my opinion. So he's in a good spot. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The majority of his team just X'd out their bye week um, so he can move forward with them safely. Yeah, his team is stacked. No doubt about it. And we'll move into the final uh, or the second to last matchup before we get into previews. But Jack's team had close to 200 points. So Jack's team just completely uh, smoked uh, Lennon here. No surprise here, obviously, with the direct acquisition from his opponent of James Conner, which wow. I think we've all kind of voiced our opinions on. But um, 
end of the day, James Conner led Jack's team with 30.9 points. Lamar showed up against Cincinnati. Again, no surprise there. Chris Godwin continues the ball. David Johnson's usage rate is through the roof. Um, So Jack's team is starting to really come around here. Um, Any areas of concern at this point here for players on Jack's team? Nope. It's ridiculous. His team is loaded. His team has the most absurd depth I've ever seen. Um, it, it's the same team as last year, really. It's 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 the exact same way. It's his team that has stupid depth to the point where every week he's like, "Man, which of my three RB ones do I start this week?" I mean, it's it's that kind of situation where it's just or really wide receivers. I mean, having Juju. AJ Green, I mean, he hasn't come back yet, but he will. Cooks, Godwin, and Beckham on the same team is stupid. It's unreal. So his team's fully loaded. He's just one of them where you got to cross your fingers that he goes down in the playoffs um, in the first or second round. Yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, but, like, you can't look at me with a straight face and say Miles Sanders and Colt McCoy are uh, a fair deal for James Conner. But that's uh, besides the point, we already talked about that. Um, and Lennon's team, I mean, he basically threw in the towel with that trade. Um, I think his receivers are still relatively dangerous, even though they had they did not um, beat out uh, Cooks, Godwin, and Beckham. Like uh, I was saying, there was a chance that could happen. Um, but I mean, like you have to decide between like Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard on a week to week basis. Pick Jordan Howard, so he picked the wrong one. And Jared Goff has just been awful this year and put up 1.1 points here against the 49ers, yeah, yeah. who have a really good defense. But uh, still, man, as a quarterback for an entire game, you put up 1.1 fantasy points. Like, get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's – oof. I don't even know what to say about that. I mean, his quarterbacks look pretty good having Rodgers and Goff. But – Honestly, both of them have underperformed golf in a very drastic way. But Rodgers is what QB 12 right now. I mean, he's not doing much at the moment. Yeah, I mean, like maybe he should just start Colt McCoy over Jared Goff and hope that uh, Colt McCoy plays a half game and, you know, maybe he still outscores Goff. I don't know. Um, (laughs) So, yeah. Or throw, you know, Golden Tate in there. Yeah. I mean, Golden Tate that's a serious um, idea of maybe throwing him in on different weeks, including this one. I think Tate could have actually a good week this week, maybe over a guy like Michael Gallup. So, um, but uh, yeah, you're going to need more production out of that OP spot and that wide receiver three spot. And it's just not happening for a line in here. So I don't think we need to talk about that, any- that anymore because I don't think he's really too serious about his team either. Um, we'll go into the last game and pretty much blew Carl out. Um, <laughs> he scored half as many points, less than half, it looks like. Um, a little over half, uh, right? <laughs> Barely. 79 yeah, 79 plus 79 is 158, and I scored 156.6. So Damn, it was close. I almost doubled his score, but close but no cigar, I guess. Um, Tyreek Hill balled out. I'm a little concerned, again, about the Mahomes injury, but – I do think that he's incorporated in the game plan moving forward. Devontae Freeman um, is really – he started off slow, um, but really just coming through on uh, our preseason predictions with Devontae Freeman at this point. I think he has another good week this week. 
we'll see. I think he comes back down to life and produces like an RB two after this week, but I think he'll have another good one um, for at least uh, the upcoming matchup. Le'Veon Bell, I think is underperformed. I think he, uh, his usage rate is still very high and um, I think he'll have better weeks than what he's done so far. So um, Devontae Freeman has actually outscored Le'Veon Bell. I would foresee that Le'Veon Bell still finishes the year um, roughly six, seven position spots ahead of Devontae Freeman, making Bell still an RB1 and Devontae Freeman a high RB2, which is exactly where we put him at here, at least myself at the beginning of the year. Yeah, I actually thought at the beginning of the year that Devonta Freeman was going to be an RB1. Um, yeah, you were – I mean, you were super bullish. I didn't really think he was going to be an RB1, but I thought I thought he could be an high-end RB2. Yeah, I mean, I – you drafted him uh, as like an RB1. So, I, I was kind of surprised to hear you say may, – maybe you just had more confidence in him solidifying the RB2 role. Um, but, yeah, I think you're looking good here. Deshaun Watson – is just killing the competition right now using his arm and his legs. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, yeah, you're sitting pretty right now at five and one. Yeah, like this week I got kind of creative with it. I decided to just play four wide receivers and forego playing a quarterback in the OP spot. So that worked out. Um, although I could have played Darnold and, uh, or Daniel Jones and they would have outscored Ridley, but by one point. So um, I thought the Redskins defense was certainly a sneaky play. Um, you know, just play anyone against Miami, regardless of right. how the defense is, and you're probably guaranteed at least seven points in this league. That's that's certainly enough, and that's all you need uh, for that defensive spot. Um, so I feel good about my team here. Looking across the pond over at um, over at Carl's team, any any reason for concern with Carl's team? Um. I would have said because he lost Will Disley, but he's got Zach Ertz. So that doesn't really affect him at all. Um, Melvin Gordon is more of an RB2 to me this year. Eckler's not gone away, um, and that offense has just been horrid. So you can't consider him a top-tier talent like he was in years past. And then Philip Lindsay, man. Him and Royce are splitting that workload right down the middle. Um, They're almost dead even on – touches every single week actually the past two weeks Royce has out touched Philip and done more with his workload um it's just been the touchdowns have kept Philip higher until Thursday night football when Royce actually got that goal line touch yeah yeah I just I can't really rely on either of them given how dysfunctional that offense is so um we'll see what happens with those guys I think you probably have to I don't really know why he last week started Chris Thompson over Phil Lindsay. Nope. That's kind of a head scratcher to me, but um, so, I mean, I think you have to go Lindsay Gordon as your two running backs. I'm not a huge fan of Carl's team here. I just, I think there he will certainly have other, you know, greater weeks. Um, but this is kind of what you're dealing with when you look at his team is, a lot of just inconsistency across the board. Like DJ Chark is like like a, a good talent, so he's decent. But like Marvin Jones, you don't, you don't know what's going to happen with Marvin Jones from week to week, um, nor can you really l- rely on it. 
Michael Thomas is pretty much the only guy um, is on his entire roster that you feel good about on a week to week basis, in my opinion. So um, I think Zach Ertz, again, will get better, but I think there's certainly some reason to be concerned uh, here for Carl's team as well and possibly some more regression moving forward. Yeah, Carl's definitely a team that could fizzle out. They had that really strong start, but looking at the, the roster construction, um, some of these guys really need to turn it around or else he's headed in a downward spiral. I agree. Uh, so how about um, before we do the preview, I know you said you wanted to hit on one free agent acquisition. Yes. Marcus Marietta was benched. I have a gaping hole at quarterback with Drew Brees injury. So I went out and acquired Ryan Tannehill, um, who in his half of play, actually it wasn't even a half. I don't think, I think he just played the fourth quarter. Um, he looked a lot better than Mariota's looked all season. He did end the game with a pick, but he came out there and just slung it to Corey Davis, basically every throw, um, and finally got Corey Davis back involved. Um, basically, I went out and I bid $20 to acquire Tannehill, and then I thought to myself, I bet Andres is trying to get Tannehill too. And I go and I look at Andres's remaining fab, and it's $22. So I say, why not bid the extra three and secure, at least assure myself I have it over Andres. I see Andres on Wednesday night, and he tells me he bid $22 on Tannehill. So wow. this is the second time on the waiver wire, I have won a bid by $1 because same thing happened with Jarvis Landry. I think that sweet spot with like these like average quarterbacks in a two quarterback league is going to be in a fab like $25. Like I think that's, yep. that's a pretty fair price and you know what you should really kind of expect at least in this league moving forward. So it's really important to like just kind of, you know, again, keep in mind everyone else's, you know, remaining fab budgets. And then in the future, just kind of, you know, take a mental note in the back of your head of, you know, what certain players and guys go for. Yes, you'll always have the outliers like the Kyle Allens of the $63 <laughs> spends. Um, maybe not always from Dennison's team because that was just kind of uncharacteristic in my opinion, but maybe more of a Caleb play there. But, um, <laughs> you know, in general, I think um, that's kind of uh, a range to expect some of these, um, you know, opportunities for, for quarterbacks in the free agency. So. Yeah, I mean, what's been nice, too, with Fab is that we've seen everybody go out here and use some of their budget. Um, there hasn't been a single team to not use any Fab, which we were kind of worried about to begin the year that the likes of Kuhar um, wouldn't go out and do anything or, or even Lennon or Caleb to a degree. But everybody's been using Fab. Um, and, and Kuhar even made a pickup last week, I believe. So it's nice to see everybody's kind of getting the hang of it going out there, making their bids, um, and utilize the new waiver system. Nothing else really too notable, in my opinion. Um, yeah, nothing really else. I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick was acquired for $0. So if he can, um, I guess, produce, that would be a, a nice little steal here for the Patriots fan club. So, Yes, yes, it would be for old Andres. Maybe bring some of that Fitz magic back, baby. Um, all right, so let's go into let's go into week seven, and we'll um, we'll draw dive right into um, we'll, we'll go right into Nate's matchup, 
and break that down real quick. And not a good start again here for Carl. We just talked about this where a lot of his guys, um, again, I, I don't, you know, I, that, that offense looks pretty dysfunctional at this point with Flacco. I don't know what they're going to do because they don't really have any other quarterback options either. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm a little concerned here for Carl's team and I think Nate continues to roll. Yeah. So to be clear, he sent out Philip Lindsay, um, and Philip had his worst game of the year with 4.2 points. He had the option. He had the chance for a much larger game. They gave him that first goal line touch on the one. He could not convert. And Royce Freeman came sprinting in there and converted immediately. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, they're, they're in such a timeshare. It's so interesting what the Broncos are doing. Um, nobody has a clear lock on any role except Royce seems to be the passing down back, which is kind of weird because – it's Phillip like backwards. Lindsay. Yeah, Philip Lindsay seems to be the guy who would fit that mold. Well, uh-uh. I don't really. I mean, I think also they realized they lost that game, so it was just more so playing the backup running back um, or the, you know, were I guess technically the number two running back, but um, I don't know, man. Like, I don't really think it. You can put. Um, a finger on exactly what they're going to do from week to week because they're just going to be really bad, like, offensively. So, uh, I mean, the only thing you can lean on is both of these guys getting some work because they're going to have to try and run the ball effectively for for the rest of the year. But um, I think teams are just going to load the box and key in on it. And I don't think Lindsey or Royce Freeman are anything too special that they're going to be able to beat eight-man stacks uh, inside the box here. So, concerned about both uh, really the value of that entire all, every fantasy player in that entire offense yeah definitely Flacco is is, is kind of hurting the value of everybody there except for Cortland Sutton so we'll see what happens with that moving forward um, but with that happening Carl and Nate were originally very close in projections um, Philip Lindsay putting up a, a dud dropped Carl six points lower in projection um, than Nate so this is gonna be a close one but I don't or, think so. <laughs> you don't think so? Nope. I think it, I think Nate's going to blow him out. Yeah. Um, I'm looking through it. See, Nate's using I mean, kill like Nate's got Waller. Nate's got some tough matchups, I guess. But like Amari Cooper could put up 40 points this week against. He could literally do what Stefan Diggs just did um, against Philly on Sunday Night Football. So if he plays. True. True. Um. But like he's got depth too, man. Like, yeah. I mean, he's he's right now currently rolling out two tight ends. But like, if he really wanted to, like, he could even maybe throw Latavius Murray in there. I don't think I would do that against Chicago. But like, um, I don't know. Like, he's got he he's got room where like even if he loses, not that big of a deal. And so he's just like making some Hail Mary plays right now. For instance, like just acquired Antonio Brown in the free agency on like the smallest off chance that <laughs> Antonio Brown signs with like, a, you know, some sort of team midway through the season. So um, he's just kind of messing around right now to see if he can, you know, complete the bottom half of his bench. And, you know, he's, he's already gearing up for the playoffs at this point. Yeah. I mean, he, he, he can, he's six and oh, um, it, Usually, all six and seven teams make the playoffs. So, he's basically yeah. a lock for the playoffs. He's just deciding where his seating is at this point. 
and I think Josh Allen balls out this yep. week too. So, yep. Um, how about we'll move on to Denison and Lennon. So Denison, um, I mean, before you actually look at what happened on his team, you'd be like, wow, it went up 28 points. That's not even Sunday. Well, he played three guys um, in Thursday night football. One of them was Patrick Mahomes. You need at least 15 to 20 points out of your quarterback. Otherwise, you're in a bad spot. With that Mahomes injury, only at 7.2. Kelsey put up um, a dismal 10 points, which for Travis Kelsey in a full PPR, it's nothing special. And Emmanuel Sanders, simply 11. So not it's not like they put up zero spots, but what really hurts them is Mahomes with that 7.2 game. So. Yeah, and that these were two of the arguably safest players on his entire roster. Um, I, I'd say two of the three safest. Uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Carson are probably his guys. And both of them had – two of the three had bad outings. Going up against Lennon here, who really looks like he could be getting that win. Yeah, I think he could actually pull off a win despite how – not excited I am about his team moving forward. So um, good chance that, you know, like he actually has a good problem at wide receiver right now. I think I would personally like think about Golden Tate over either Gallup or Goff. Um, I would probably still play Goff, but I would really consider Golden Tate over Gallup um, just because I think that if Amari Cooper plays, I think the ball goes his way. If Amari Cooper doesn't play, I don't think Gallup is good enough to, you know, lock down that number one spot at, at receiver there. So um, I think that might even go to Cobb this week if uh, Cooper doesn't play. So I would consider Golden Tate over uh, over Gallup here. Yeah, I mean. Would you do that? Huh? Would you do Golden Tate over Michael Gallup? I don't know. It, it's tough because Philly's secondary is so horrible that it doesn't take much talent for you to blow blow, blow that secondary yeah. out of the water. Um, Gallup has not looked good, though, recently. Well, hasn't he been – he's been hurt, though. Yeah, he's had, like, some nagging injuries, but I think he missed the game, He missed right? uh, the last um, two or three. Yeah, so – I don't know. He's been kind of hobbled, but I don't. Maybe he's not a hundred percent. Maybe that's why he's not playing that well either. I would so. almost start Golden Tate over Thielen just because of the the matchup. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't like starting the Vikings receivers. It still makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, against Detroit, you never know what's going to happen. Right. There. I mean, I think, Darius Slay will definitely I think, be on I think, gigs, but... I think you got to continue with Golf though. Like Golf Cup against Atlanta. Yeah, got to um, use them. Just feels like a blow up. Feels like that's a blow up spot for me. So I agree there. But I could see like like especially because he has Witten, like I think you kinda have to like hope that Witten is the one that maybe locks down a touchdown against Philly and Gallup is like, like the odd man out here. And like I just think that the Giants Arizona game is gonna be a gas can of a game. Like that game is just gonna blow up. Like it's gonna be up tempo. That's yep. the Cardinals, that's how they play. Um, I think that Sterling Shepard, I believe Sterling Shepard draws Patrick He's Peterson out. with, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I don't It'll be I, Darius it's going to be interesting to see, it's going to be interesting to see what the Cardinals do with that game plan. If they try and just have Peterson follow Tate, um, or him play the outside on Slayton and, um, some of those other receivers. So 
that's gonna be inter- that, that's gonna be interesting to see. But I do think Golden Tate can produce pretty well here. Yeah, I don't think Patrick Pearson ever covers the slot, which is primarily what Golden Tate plays. So exactly, I think he would be a really really good play. Um, it's just about where you would slide him in in your lineup, and and Gallup's not a bad person to take out of the lineup for him. Yeah. Um, all right, so how about we move on here? Because I do think that Lennon is going to be yeah, Dennison this agreed. week. And we'll go into your matchup here against Andres. So you had a nice outing here from Royce Freeman, despite how horrible Denver offense looked. And then uh, on, uh, Andres pretty much offset you here with Harrison Butker putting up the nice 12 points. Say that again. I'm sorry. Oh, uh, Butker with 12. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much offset. I know that sucks. Um, if Patrick Mahomes didn't go down, uh, there'd be a lot less field goal opportunities. They would just be extra points. So that's a bummer. Um, I still don't have a kicker. I was gonna say you gotta play someone at kicker. Yeah, I don't right? know. I don't know what I'm gonna do yet because I have a lot of guys I don't want to drop. Um, you can't really afford to not play your kicker though <laughs> when you're two and four. Like this would be different if you're in Nate's spot, where right? Six and L, but you like you really can't risk a. Losing I know, a game I know. Here. I need that win. I'm I'm playing a lot of risky guys too. I I have a couple moves I'm gonna make, um, based on the fact I don't think anybody's gonna hear this podcast before tomorrow. I'm pretty certain <laughs> I'm gonna drop Adam Humphreys for uh, Lazard from the Packers. I think he's. Yeah, I was looking at Lazard too. Oh, Lazard, Lizard, whatever the fuck his name is. So let's just talk about that for a second, though, because that's we alluded to it at the beginning of the podcast. Like, there's a chance that Lazard could be the number one receiver. There's a chance that he could be the third receiver. Um, Like, he has like a he could potentially have a twenty point game or a zero point game, depending on what happens with these injuries and the Packers. Uh, receiving court here, so it's really strange. Um, John Ross and <laughs> yeah. play uh, that dude got hit so hard. There's no way they should allow him on a football field for at least a week. Yeah, he's nursing like two injuries, so I mean they should really err on the side of caution with him. Um, I think MVS is going to play though. You do interesting. Yeah, I mean he came back in the game after he got hurt. Um, so he played after he got hurt in that oh, game. Oh, you're right. right. Yeah, he did. So, like, I don't really see them. I just feel like if normally when a player comes back and finishes a game, a week later he can probably come back right. out. Um, I think it's pretty rare when that when they finish a game and then don't play the following week. It happens, but not as often as them playing here. So I think realistically, like, Allison's out. Lazard's the number two. Um, and Lazard puts up like a respectable 10 points. See, I think he has a huge game. Um, Aaron Rodgers. Really? Aaron Rodgers is obsessed with the guys. You watch the post game interview. Yeah. I mean, like, he's a great, uh, like, he's, he's a great competitor. Like, I don't know if you saw him play lat. Like, I'm sure you saw it, but like, he made a sick catch yeah. in the end zone, um, and they literally just ran the same play and went yeah, back to him. The like, exact that was same. they ran the same exact play, um, and he he's willing to like go out there and fight. Like he's tough. Um, like he was trying to run cornerbacks over instead of just running out of bounds. Right. 
Um, because he's he's that player that you know really should have never had a chance to even get into a game. He's the so, Philip Lindsay of wide uh, receivers. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I think you're kind of you're you're buying into the Lazard hype train just a little bit here. So I don't know, man. When Aaron Rodgers loves a guy, he feeds him the ball. Um, and with so many people expected to be out, he could be that really really solid sleeper play. Um, but I mean, I can't play Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys. That's just a recipe for a disaster. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'm. Andres could not be playing me on a better week. Like there literally could not be a better week for him to be playing me. <laughs> yeah, it's it's not looking too promising here for you. Um, and when your kicker puts up twelve points, that certainly helps as well. So. I think Andres is in a decent spot, although I can still see you winning here. Yeah. Fitzpatrick against Buffalo seems like a recipe for Fitz to throw three interceptions and for like two. Buffalo's defense has looked really good this they year. Look, they've looked good for um, like two years now. Yeah, they they were decent last year. I think they even took another step further this yep. year. Um, Gerald Everett could have a good game, though. And... You know, I mean, he's – I mean, the Patriots, that's the thing about the Patriots. Even though they're going to spread the ball around, like, they just play so many bad teams, like, every single week. Like, that division is just so bad. Yeah. So, um, I think the Jets' defense is better than people give them credit Definitely. for. And I think their offense is going to start playing a little bit better as well. So, I just think there's a little bit of a ceiling problem here for him, and there's a chance that you could still win. Yeah, I mean, and the Jets are getting back Mosley this week, I believe, which will plug up that running game for the Patriots. So that'll hurt Michelle. And Christian Kirk is extremely questionable. They're, he's being called a game-time decision. Um, I mean, he's got a lot of question marks on his team. Carry on Johnson against Minnesota is not the greatest matchup. I mean, my question here is, let's hear what you have to say about this. He's got Tyler Boyd against the Jags. Do you, in my position, do your best to offset that by playing Andy Dalton? Because then Andy will score points on everything Tyler Boyd scores on. Or do I put in Ryan Tannehill against the Chargers and pair him up with Corey Davis in my lineup and hope they connect for double points? Um, I mean, like that's like asking me if I would, you know, like – want to eat shit or drink exactly like, it's, just it's like, not it's not a great decision <laughs> um like uh like the thing is tyler boyd if andy dalton has a good game he's gonna do it through tyler boyd in my opinion um so i think tyler boyd outscores andy dalton if tyler boyd has a good game um so i would probably take the risk and go after Tannehill against the chargers here um i don't feel good about either but i've I think there was a, I do agree there there is some sort of chemistry there with Corey Davis that I think he's going to try and go back yep. to. Um so I would personally would probably go Tannehill but um again not really like ideal or optimal situation with either of those scenarios. No doubt. And Cincinnati they look like a team that wants to get that top draft pick. Um and and they play so slow and so poorly. It's pretty unbelievable. Um they Tannehill's fighting for to keep that job, that starting job. Um, so I feel like he really needs to go out there and play well. The Chargers have been very suspect. Um, 
on the defensive side, I, I mean, this could be a good matchup for the Titans. So I feel like that's the risk I got to run. And you'll probably see my team looking quite a bit different come Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, there's going to be a couple changes here, maybe even at tight end as well. Um, all right. So how about we move on here? What have we, uh, maybe we'll just go into me and Jack here. So this, I think this is a pretty big matchup five and one versus five and one. I would say this is really kind of like the game of the week. Um, so Tyreek Hill uh, kind of saved his day with catching a big touchdown from Matt Moore. Um, I'm kind of nervous about Tyreek Hill long-term, at least for the next month or so until Mahomes comes back. But we'll see what happens. He put up a respectable 16 points uh, still today or on Thursday. And I think I've got some decent matchups. Um, like I can see Freeman and Ridley performing this week. Daniel Jones, I think, is going to go off and have a big game. And I think Deshaun Watson will continue to to rake here. So um, I personally think the, the biggest thing for me is Le'Veon Bell and what he does. Um, but I couldn't have caught Jack on a better no. week. He literally has so many guys on He can't five. roster a full team. Yeah, I mean, he um, he has his defense on by. A.J. Green is out. Um, OBJ is out. Like he, like I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the math in my head here. Like he, he has to drop. Like he would have to drop. I think. I mean, at this point, I think you have to drop. He won't though. He wants to keep him. I personally, like, I don't see really the the big upside there. I do Um, not either. I think you got to drop him in a matchup, a premier matchup like this against you. Um, you're both five and one. But, I, I mean, I think he's probably just looking at this like he can afford the loss, and if he gets lucky and somehow my entire team goes on a dud, like that's a huge win or whatever. But, um, I think Gurley could have a good game, but it's like Gurley or Cooks. Like I know I've said before, like they can't coexist, and that's like proving me wrong. But, um, they're bound to like have a negative correlating game, and if this is if there's any game for that to happen, it's against the Falcons, in my opinion. Yeah. Especially with the way Gurley gets used these days. So I feel good about my team, but, um, you know, like I, I, Kareem Hunt, OJ Howard, Deontay Johnson, those are all, and Chase Edmonds, in my opinion, are all droppable players. So we'll see if he tries to fill out his roster with dropping those four. Here. I think what we're going to see is tomorrow, once David Johnson gets the all clear, um, he'll drop Chase Edmonds for another wide receiver. And I honestly think that's the only move you're going to see. Um, I don't think he's going to end up dropping Johnson or Hunt. Um, personally. OJ Howard? What about him? Uh, I don't think he will. I think he acquired him in a trade, right? He did. He acquired him in a trade. I mean, he has Mark Andrews. But like a, as a throw-in. Like I, uh, no, it was a, it was a one-for-one, I believe. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. I I don't think he'll drop OJ. I would. I would because he has Mark Andrews. Um, but we'll see. This is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting, interesting to see if he fields a full team, um, especially in a big matchup like this. And maybe Terry Kill's 15 or 16-point game could persuade him to not play a full team, but we'll see what happens. Um, 
I think there's certainly guys that he could drop to fill out his roster and 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 play a full lineup. So, yeah. Um, how about we go into we'll go into Jimmy and Kuhar here. So Jimmy had Cortland Sutton, who I think you said it at the beginning of the year, Cortland Sutton, you felt like was in for a big step forward, and I think he's pretty much shown that he can. Um, but I do have obviously concern. I don't want to talk about the Broncos much anymore, but <laughs> a good start, a good start here for Cortland. Sutton. Yeah. He's the only reliable guy on that team right now. Um, when I expected at the beginning of the year, when I said he would take a step forward, I was expecting every week wide receiver three status so far. He's been every week wide receiver two. Um, how much that can continue. We don't know yet, but um, he's proved to be a very, very good receiver thus far for fantasy football. The real thing to look at here is, wow. Um, oh, God. I thought we were looking at Jimmy against Tackett, but he's playing Kuhar. Because I was about to say, where's T.Y. in the lineup? Um, but that is Tackett, and he's not playing Tackett. No, I, I think this is going to be a really close matchup. Like, I think both teams are going to have a good week. Um, I think the biggest thing with Kuhar's team is he's playing Cole Beasley, so – what does Cole Beasley do against the Miami Dolphins? You're looking for um, nine points here. Yeah, I mean, if he can get nine or ten, that at least kind of narrows the gap there on Sutton. And then, I, I don't know, like, I, I still i am going to give the edge to Jimmy Definitely. because, like, Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, like, those are two guys that kind of have the same role in that offense. So, like, if one has a good game, I don't see the other having a good game. Um so if he if he starts Mike Williams and Hunter Henry, I think he's that's kind of another recipe for disaster there. Where it really differs for me is Trubisky against the Saints and Brady against the Jets. Trubisky has sucked to start the year. Um, he's not going to find anything better against the Saints. I don't even know if he throws a touchdown in that game. And then you got Brady against the Jets. The Jets aren't a bad team. Um, I think that game's going to be super low scoring as well on Monday Night Football. We'll see what happens with that, but, like, Brady is a fantasy quarterback. Like, he's the greatest quarterback of all time, but, like, as a fantasy quarterback, like, it's not like you can really expect a 30 spot out of Brady on a week-to-week basis. No. So, like, you're lucky if he gets – if he did last week and gets 22. So, um, I'm going to go with Jimmy here in this one, especially because I think Gardner Minshew finds a get-right game against Cincinnati yeah. and uh, holds down the spot even if even with Nick Foles coming back next week. Absolutely. And Baltimore's been in a lot of shootouts. Um, so putting Russell Wilson against Baltimore. That, with Lockett? Yeah, with Lockett. This just seems like an absolute blow-up game for the two of them. Let's uh, move ahead here, look at Tackett and uh, Caleb. And Caleb had Hardman, who he played. Um, he still has Paul Richardson. Oh, my in God. That, in that spot there. Um I, I I mean, we've been saying this for weeks, so I really don't even want to address it anymore. But it's like, I don't know, man. Like, has he put up two zero spots in a row? Pretty sure he has. <laughs> like, how do you not just get frustrated? You're like personally, if you have a player in your starting lineup that puts up zeros two weeks in a row, like, how do you not find a better option on the waiver wire? I agree. I agree. He. I don't know. Like, does he know Paul Richardson? Like, as like, like, is he like friends with him in real <laughs> life or something? That like, if only. I don't know. Like, that's I can't really figure that one out. 
Um, I think I'm going to go with Tackett here, and I feel pretty good about my pick with Tackett. Um, yeah, if Caleb wasn't playing Paul Richardson, he would stand a lot better chance. But the Colts-Houston game is about to be a blow-up. Um, yeah, T.Y. Hilton shreds the Texans. Every single year, he annihilates the Texans. And and even though Tackett has McCaffrey out, like I could see Mark Ingram having a good game. I think Tevin Coleman's going to continue to get more work, and you know they could you know just control the ball against the Redskins all game. So, um, yeah, like T.Y. Hilton and DeAndre Hopkins in the same game. Yeah, um, feel pretty good about that. So um, I, I really like Tackett's team. I think there's really not too much to worry about with Caleb's team here across the board. I think Evan Ingram is really the only guy that could really have a huge blow-up spot. But besides that, no concern playing Caleb's team this week. Honestly, if Caleb played a third receiver, I would think he would stand a chance. Because I don't like some of the matchups that Tacky has. Like, I don't like TJ Hawkinson against Minnesota. I don't like Kirk Cousins um, on the other side of that matchup. Rams defense against Atlanta. Atlanta could put up a lot, ton of points. That could be a super high-scoring game. Um, Minnesota is actually not amazing against the tight end, though. Well, covering the tight it's end. also TJ Hawkinson, though. He's good. He's good, but he's – I mean, so far he's not, not a proven commodity. His only good game of the year is week one. Um, he dropped – he should have had two touchdowns last week. He dropped the one. It was a really tough catch. Um, but the point of the matter is he had it in his hands and dropped it. Second, the other one, um, they gave him a screen on the one-yard line. He should have been able to reach across, but he stopped it literally like the one-foot line. So so I'm going to go on a limb and say that Hawkinson scores a touchdown this week. Really? All right. Yep. Well, I would like to I see think, it for my Iowa fandom. Um, I, I personally think that Tackett's team could actually, like looking at this top to bottom, um, he could be one of the highest scoring teams of the week. He has that potential. I just there are two spots that really concern me on this team with Hawkinson, Cousins, and even Tevin Coleman against Washington. Um, granted, when the Niners get up big, they're probably going to give it to Coleman a lot. But that D line, I think they're getting Jonathan Allen back, which would shore it up a little bit. I don't know. I I don't know. And Caleb's got so many good matchups on the other side with Evan Ingram against Arizona, the worst defense at covering the tight end. Um, Matt Ryan against the Rams is a great matchup. Uh, I mean, Derek Carr against Green I mean, Bay. they just got – the Rams might be a little bit better, though. Um, With Jalen Ramsey. I, I mean, we, we've been saying how great Hooper is, and, like, it seems like it's going to be a good game for the Falcons, but the Falcons do this every single time. Right when we think that they're going to be on a roll and they're in rhythm, they go out and put up three points. Like, again, you can rely on them to consistently be inconsistent. And I'm starting to think that, like, maybe they just go out and just completely don't put it together this week. So, um, I don't know. I'm kind of second-guessing the Falcons right now, but. As I look at this matchup, I just don't – I don't really see a way that Caleb wins. So, I think – I guess we'll have to disagree on this Yeah, one. I think the Falcons put up over 28 points this week. Um, I, I – okay, let me check the waiver wire. I'm really curious if he added – so, 
top wide receivers. Philip Dorsett could could go off against the Jets. Preston Williams, not a good matchup this week. Um, God, but even these bad matchups are better than what he's using. It's just so frustrating yeah. watching him, like, lose by his own disregard for his third wide receiver. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I would, I would consider Jake Coomer over Paul Richardson at this point if Geronimo Allison is out, or I would consider Geronimo Allison. So, yep. Um, yeah, I, I don't really. I mean, there's, there's four or five receivers that I would consider just even scrolling through, looking at it briefly right now over Paul Richardson, like quick, easily. Like, so. Yeah, exactly. We'll see if he makes any moves tomorrow. Yeah, I wish, I wish he had anybody on his team that I was interested in so I could trade with him, but uh, <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> well, he could trade back for digs. Yeah, he won't, he won't do that. <laughs> All right, so let's move on here. And um, did we look at your matchup? Yeah, we looked at yours. I think we have Carl and Nate. Or wait, we looked at that one, right? Yes. Phil Carl and Nate, we looked at that one. So I think we're actually done. Wow. Yeah, yes, we are. Cool. Um, so I, that wraps it up here for this week. It's going to be a pretty great week here just to recap um, with the standings as well. Um, really tight league, uh, at least toward in the in the playoff picture, I want to say. So um, you and Caleb are tied in that really that uh, eighth spot here. There's three people tied for fifth, and then there's a fourth place team. And then me and Jack are tied for second. So that's going to be a big matchup this week. Nate standing by himself in first place. So, you know, when we look at the standings, this is kind of a, def- a defining week here across the board for a lot of teams. And we're going to start seeing teams go one way or the other uh, starting now. So this is when things really heat up in fantasy and uh, it's about shit's about to go down and get real. Yeah, this is a very important week for a lot of teams. A lot of teams need to come out with a win if they want to keep their playoff hopes um, in check. So man, we'll see what happens come tomorrow. Yep, got to put up some points too. So especially you and uh, you and Caleb. God, so. Yeah, that sucks. It kind of feels like you're playing Caleb this week. Like it feels. You know what I'm saying? Like, it feels like since I made that trade, I've been playing myself every week against. Like <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I traded basically like a quarter of my team to Caleb, and he uses them every week, and I just get to watch those guys go off while the player I got doesn't play. Yeah, and like he's just gonna play those those guys every single week because he acquired them through that trade and because they've been like like he's gonna start all of those guys with confidence every single week and not think twice just because of the karma and like the the, the like the like just kind of the the backfire on your end here. So absolutely, and also he doesn't have enough talent to play anybody over those guys. So <laughs> yep, exactly. So um, all right, cool. Well. Uh, Appreciate everyone listening here to another episode of the Fantasy Football Bros. Until next week, we are signing off, and good luck going into your Week 7 matchups.